Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Wow. Isn't God awesome? Hey, thank you so much for tuning in and being here with us today and worshiping with us. There's nothing like community and just being together. And you know what? This is the next best thing, isn't it? Thank God for technology. Can you believe that we are celebrating Easter today? Again, happy Resurrection Day. Come on, Facebook Live. I see you. Come on, YouTube Live. I see you. And this is so exciting that we can celebrate together through online streaming. Hey, listen, no matter what we are going through in life, we can always celebrate what resurrection means for us here and now. Nothing can take that away from us. So today, I want you to focus on the truth of what resurrection really means. It means we have received new life in Christ. Now, I want to take a look at the Gospel of John in chapter 20 this morning. And I want to start in verse 1, so just read along with me. Early in the morning of the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb. They were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. I think it's pretty funny that the Apostle John, who's writing this, refers to himself as the uh, disciple whom Jesus loved and the one who ran faster. Um, I don't know. Just an interesting point. (laughs) Verse 5. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen clothes lying there. He also saw the face cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but was folded up in its own place. Then the other disciple, the one who arrived at the tomb first, there we go, John, (laughs) also went inside. He saw and what? Believed. They didn't yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. Now, on the other side of the cross, burial, and resurrection, we can realize something. That resurrection matters. Say that with me. Resurrection matters. See, resurrection is for everybody. Not just one or two people or a handful. It's for everyone. It's a whole new way to be human. And it's for the whole wide world. If not, then this Sunday, this special day of Easter we celebrate, would be just for one particular religious group. But today is a day of celebration for everyone. Have I said that enough? It is for everyone. Now, I was thinking of a story to maybe help us grasp a little easier with this idea of resurrection and what it means for us. So a few years back, my wife, Kristen, She wanted to start growing her own veggies, but, you know, we lived in a subdivision, so, you know, we didn't have a bunch of farmland that we could just pick an area that we could just plant and and grow things. Um, I have a couple friends who have a farm, and they can do that, but we couldn't. Again, we lived in a subdivision. So, we built a few raised gardens. Now, it wasn't easy work. I mean, there was a lot of toil and and work and sweat and uh, sawing and hammering and all these things to build these raised gardens. But once we did, we were able to plant our own veggies. Now, the most important part of the story is the seed or the seeds. How many know that you have to plant a seed in order to get a plant? Now, the thing that we planted 
eventually produced plants that eventually produced vegetables. Now think about this little seed. If you just take it out of a packet and you pour it in your hand, it still is a miracle to me that this little tiny seed can become this amazing plant that not only grows into a plant, but also grows fruit and vegetables. Now think about this. That little seed can lay dormant in a cool and dry place. If you leave it in the packet, what does it do? It just stays in the packet. But think about this. It still has all the potential for a beautiful fruiting plant on the inside. But what must a seed do to produce? It must die. Now there's this process called imbibition. Now say that with me, imbibition. Now when water is plentiful, the seed fills with water in a process called imbibition. Now what happens is the water activates these special proteins, which we know are called enzymes, that begin the process of seed growth. So first the seed grows a root to access water underground. We all know that plants need water, right? But then what happens is a seed sends a shoot to the surface. Why? Well, what happens is a shoot will begin to grow leaves to harvest energy from the sun. Hence, water and sun with the seed combined with the nutrients in the soil produce what? A plant, which produces what? Fruit or vegetables. Now think about this. The leaves continue growing towards the light source in a process called photomorphogenesis. Say that with me photomorphogenesis. Now the word photo means light, the word morpho means shape, and the word genesis means beginnings. So we can literally say this, revelation, because remember last week we talked about the difference in scripture on darkness and light. Darkness represents what? It represents ignorance or not understanding, whereas light represents revelation or understanding. So we could actually say this, that revelation shapes new beginnings. In fact, we could even say this, we know that God is light, so God, our Father, shapes our new beginnings. So think about this, just like a seed, resurrection requires death. There's no resurrection without death. New thinking and seeing is necessary for new life. I mean, we have to essentially repent, that word repentance, metanoia in the Greek, means to change your mind so we get new thoughts, new ideas, new ways of seeing things, which then leads us to a brand new life. Now, if we're not careful, it becomes a story about you. The wretched sinner with a dirty heart, you know, the one who can't measure up, who's, who God is angry with, and you'll never make him happy unless you do A, B, and C. And then what happens is we miss the big story. We miss the story that Jesus was trying to tell us, that God has always loved us, that we were never his enemies. Paul says that we're only enemies of God in our minds, right? So what do you think about God? That's important. But also, we have to see this idea that we are united with something bigger than the universe. See, Jesus came to change our minds about who we are and whose we are. Resurrection wasn't about escaping from this world. It was the affirming of all life. Now, let's read on in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, and look at this conversation between Jesus and Mary. Now, in verse 11 here, it says, Mary stood outside near the tomb crying. As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. She saw two angels dressed in white, seated where the body of Christ had been. 
one of them at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, Woman, why are you crying? She replied, They have taken away my Lord. Now, I want us to picture and I want us to try and feel what Mary was feeling right here when she says these words, They have taken away my Lord. This is a powerful statement. For her, they had taken away not just a good friend, but her master, her rabbi. I mean, she was Jewish, right? But they had also taken away her hope for a new and better future through this Messiah, or at least in her own eyes. And she says, I don't know where they have put him. His body is missing. She doesn't know where he is. And she's just grieving. She's, she's wondering, where is my Lord? Verse 14, as soon as she had said this, she turned around, look at this, and saw Jesus standing there. But look it, she didn't know it was Jesus. Hmm, that's interesting. Verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, <laughs> now that's kind of interesting, right? She replied, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone up to my father. Go to my brothers and sisters and tell them, I'm going up to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Look what happens. She leaves and announces to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. Then she told them what he said to her. Now, this is powerful. This passage here has so much contained within it, and we're just going to take a few minutes and break this down. Really, what I see here is three highlights from Jesus and Mary's conversation. Number one, he calls her out of tomb living. Think about this. He calls her out of tomb living. It says, she stood crying and looking into the tomb. And what is the response of Jesus? He says, why are you crying? Now, I don't believe that Jesus was chastising or scolding her here. I really believe that just seeing the life of Christ and just his feelings towards others and his care, I believe Jesus was empathizing with her. But look at, then he says this, what are you looking for? Now think about this. He's identifying where she was. She was looking back to her hopes and dreams and the things that she thought were going to happen through Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus was the warrior Messiah who would overthrow Rome, who would, you know, reestablish the kingdom of Israel as their own nation. And so she had all these hopes and these dreams that were wrapped up in this Jesus who really needs to be alive for this to happen. But here she stands feeling lost and hopeless. So what I see here is I see there's a sense of urgency that, you know, you're literally standing in grace. You're standing at the place of accepting new life, but you're looking back to the tomb. See, so many are still living life from the tomb. We are the real walking dead. Can I get an amen, right? Mary, like all of us, she had these old ways of thinking and doing. And what is Jesus doing? He's asking her and us, I believe, to come out of the old thought patterns, out of the lies that we believed about God, ourselves, and others. He's saying, will you trust me in this idea of bringing death to all that was in order to embrace all that might be? So the question is, will we trust his love for us, right? So again, she's looking back at the tomb. 
there's this, this sense of certainty or things that she thought would happen, but it wasn't playing out according to her plan. And so she was lost. She was helpless. She was hopeless. This is how she felt. So because she was looking at the tomb and not looking forward, what was happening? She was losing out on the new life that was sitting right there that she could receive right here and right now. See, love is life-giving, but love can be a destructive force. Now, let me explain that. What I mean is it requires you to abandon self and, you know, false ego and certainty and the things that we cling to and think that we know in order to trust and embrace this new way of thinking and living. And that is hard. Now, think about this. Jesus says these words. He looks at Mary and he says, don't hold on to me. Now, we could go a lot of different ways with theology, but that just really stands out to me. At this moment, here at the tomb, what happens? She's wondering where Jesus was. She even sees Jesus and is talking to Jesus and doesn't even realize it's him. But what does he say? Mary, don't hold on to me. Don't cling on to those old ideas that you had about me. Those, those ways that you thought I was going to bring you freedom in life. It's completely different than what you thought. See, love destroys the lies and false hopes that we tend to cling to. And guess what? That is painful for many of us because it's a life of discovering. It's a life of transformation. Romans 12, 2, we are transformed by what? The renewing of our mind. It's changing our mind about what we thought should be and saying, Jesus, you show us the way it should be. And then what do we do? We share that discovery and that transformation with others. So number one, he calls her out of tomb living. Number two, Jesus meets her in a garden. It says that she thought he was the gardener. Now, of course, if you were a Jew who was hearing this story, you would think back to the creation story when hearing this story of resurrection as it's being told. The first Adam was told to tend the garden. He was the original gardener, right? Now, Jesus is referred to as the last Adam. And Jesus rose from a tomb in what? In a garden. Now, this is powerful. So as a Jew, as you're hearing this, you're like, there's something going on here. We understand the Genesis story of creation. We understand Adam, the man in that garden. But you're speaking of a last Adam who's raising again in a garden. Now, if you're not familiar with this, there's actually seven signs, they call them, of the Gospel of John. There's turning water into wine. There's feeding the 5,000. There's Jesus walking on water. We don't have time to get into all that today. That might be another message for the future. But there's these seven signs in the Gospel of John. Well, after those seven signs comes this resurrection. Now, that is believed to be the eighth sign. Now, how many know this in the creation story? There was literally seven days of creation. There was six days of creation and a seventh day of rest, right? So, a total of what we would call one week, seven days. What would you refer to the eighth day as? If we were to say go Sunday through Saturday, and then we hit the eighth day, what would that be? It'd be day one again of a new week. We could say this, the eighth sign, resurrection, was the first day of new creation. I think it's John's way of hinting at the longing of humanity to return to the garden life, a place of innocence, a place of not knowing, a place of pure love. You know that resurrection literally means 
to make something right again. Think about that. God's love, it makes us upright again. It changes our minds about our being. It's a process, of course, but it moves us toward what? Transformation. So number two, Jesus meets her in a garden. Isn't that cool? Number three, Jesus calls her by name. Now this is huge. Jesus calls her by name. Now we've already seen that She doesn't recognize Jesus. She thought he was the gardener, which says something about resurrection, right? That although we are the same, we look different. But she recognizes him when he does what? When he calls her by name. See, we attach ourselves to so many different identities that we completely forget who we are. But then Jesus calls us by name. And guess what? A rebirth takes place through resurrection. I've heard it said that The most beautiful sound to the human ear is the sound of someone saying your own name. Think about that. And he identifies us as sons and daughters. What did he say? He says, I'm going up to my father and your father, to my God and your God. But look at verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them, and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, in the creation story, God breathes the Spirit of life into man. This is another detail that I believe the Apostle John is wanting us to catch. In the early creation story, God breathes the Spirit of life into man. And here, Jesus, after the resurrection, in a garden, by the way, where Jesus is literally starting creation over, new life bursting forth. And what does he do as a symbol of this new creation? He breathed on them. He breathed the Holy Spirit into them. Come on. Now that is awesome. Can you see how much God loves you and he cares for you and desires relationship with you and desires to bring you healing and wholeness in your life? You just got to just sit, take a deep breath, and just marinate on that for a minute. But you know, also in the creation story, when God calls out to Adam, Adam, where are you? What happens? Adam takes on guilt and shame and he goes into hiding. Now, what's interesting in this story is even though Adam fell, God didn't go anywhere. He didn't run away. In the story, you see the God character come to Adam. In fact, he offered this first sacrifice. God did. And what did he do with the animal skins? He clothed them. He covered their shame. Why? That's what God does. That's what love does. He didn't cover them because He couldn't look upon them. He covered them so they would feel okay with their father, with God. He says, Adam, where are you? Adam takes on the guilt and the shame. But in the resurrection story, what happens? Jesus says, Mary, and hope fills her heart. Man, that is strong. It's so powerful. So while the world may only see death and destruction, we see life and restoration but we can only see that through resurrection, awakening to this new creation that's been bursting forth since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See resurrection, what is it doing? It's making things right again. But again, we need to awaken to the truth of this in our own lives. And then what do we do? We begin to walk in it. And as we walk in it, we begin to give that new life to others. So with that, here's three powerful words. Happy Resurrection Day. Isn't it good? Let me pray with you. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day where we can come together still, even by this technology and this streaming, and we can look into the scriptures and listen to the voice of the Spirit. What is it that you're saying about us, Heavenly Father, especially today in this celebration of resurrection? I mean, it shouldn't just be a one Sunday a year. It should be an everyday thing. But for a lot of us, we get dressed up and we go to a building or maybe we get dressed up or stay in pajamas and just watch on live stream currently. But nonetheless, we somehow have the sense that resurrection matters. I pray that that would become a reality to us, that we would see that since your resurrection, there's been this brand new creation, this whole new world that's bursting forth. But for many of us, we wear blinders and we don't see it. I pray those blinders would be lifted. We would begin to see things for how they truly are. And as we do, we awaken to our own righteousness, our own right relationship with you. And as we connect with you, we realize that connection and that unity we have with you, our lives just change. They become something new, something fresh, something where we're walking out love and grace and goodness. We thank you for these things, Heavenly Father. Let your resurrection become reality to us today and these days ahead. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Hey, I love you guys. We appreciate you guys. You are just amazing. Thanks so much for connecting with us here. We still are going to do a live Q&R at 5 p.m. tonight. So, you know, I figured at first I wasn't sure because I thought, well, maybe they have dinner plans and you might, but it's probably not going anywhere. So let's go ahead and get together tonight, 5 p.m. If you have any questions, uh, you can hit us up in the instant messaging on Facebook, or you can just follow along and ask your questions in the comments as we go live. So again, Q&R tonight at 5 p.m. Also, I want to give a huge shout out and a huge thank you to all of you who are continuing to give and support the ministry. Now, donations are down and we completely understand that. I mean, there's some people who just don't have work. They're trying to get unemployment. We completely understand that. All we ask is if any of you can continue giving, that you do so. But again, we'd like to thank every one of you who have given to the ministry and continue. If you'd like to give to the ministry, it's really easy. Just go to faithcity.tv slash Michigan slash give. Everything's set up right there. It's extremely easy. And again, you can send in checks, just make them payable to Faith City Church. And then you could send those to 806 Main Street, Fenton, Michigan, 48430. Again, thanks for coming along on this journey with us, you guys. I've been learning so much. I've been pretty tech savvy for the most part, most of my life, but I'm learning new things about streaming, how to do it right. Man, did you enjoy the worship today? Let's give a big shout out on the comments to Pastor Kristen for doing that for us as well. It's been awesome hanging with you guys. We'll see you tonight, Q&R, 5 p.m., if not next Sunday, 10 a.m., and we will continue bringing you the grace, love, and goodness of God. He loves you, and so do we. See you soon, my friends. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.